Welcome to Dynasty Life. I am Theo Greminger, and this is actually the second guest that I've had from Dynasty Trades in 5. Uh, welcome to the show, Clay, from Dynasty Trades in 5. Scott Connor was one of my first guests, and i got to have Shane in here at some point. But of course. I'm really excited because I love Dynasty Trades in 5, and you know I think we put out tremendous Dynasty content at Player Profiler, but your show has become you know, sort of like a must watch for me. I try to, to check out. Man. Yeah. I try to check out as much as I can. And uh, once in a while I'll hop in the chat. Uh, it's, you guys are funny. You got <laughs> knowledgeable. And I think that what you guys do best is I think you really gauge the market. And I think that like you, all three of you, the show's called dynasty trades in five. And that's, it's not just a trading show, but I think that like Scott Connor has always been kind of a guy I'd go to for, you know, marketplace uh, valuations. Sure. I think he's real sharp on that. But I think you, Shane, and Scott collectively, the way that you guys can discuss how to improve your rosters, roster building, it's certainly an influence for me with this show. And I think it's become sort of appointment viewing for a lot of Dynasty content creators as well as Dynasty uh, just players. So congratulations on on your success. Welcome to Dynasty Life. And why don't you let everybody know how kind of Dynasty Trades in 5 came together? Yeah, yeah. First off, thanks so much for for the kind words, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dynasty Trades in Five. Yeah, it was supposed to be a five minute trade show. I was promoting DynastyPandemic.com, and, and yeah, at the time I was like, "Hey, Scott and Shane, you want to promote your own Patreons?" And they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we started off as a player a player a show doing five minute trade shows. It had to be five minutes and fifty nine seconds maximum. Anyway, then Shane had the brilliant idea. Hey. We should start doing some live streaming. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess we should. And now here we are. You can Sharpie us in Tuesdays at 8.30, 8.30 to 10.14-ish. Uh, we're in there with 350, 400 of our subscribers, our tribe mates, our friends. We're in the trenches with everybody. That That's what we're big on. Um, and yeah, we play in a ton of leagues. So I, I think our sample size in terms of gauging the, the league market and, and kind of just what the dynasty landscape is out there, we have a big sample size. Scott's in some like brutal 60, 60 sub odd leagues. I'm in, I don't know, 20-ish and Shane's in like 26 or 27. So so yeah, man. Yeah, we, I, we, we, can, we can talk where to find us later, dude. I uh, just check us out on YouTube. That's enough for now. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that that's also an interesting kind of kind of transition here, because here at Dynasty Life, I, I we you know, we're going to talk about the this rookie class and how we're going to value them in terms of, you know, established veterans in Dynasty. And we're going to dive into some Dynasty theory uh, and, you know, try to become better Dynasty players. But I think that's an interesting question for you. How do you guys give out advice, you know, as portfolio players? And Scott's pretty much the ultimate portfolio player. But you and you and Shane with 20 plus leagues, you're a portfolio player. Yeah. You probably have, if we're talking about one through twelve, you probably have a 101, a 112, <laughs> and every pick in between. Everything as, as, as I do. So yeah. how do you gauge giving out advice on a on a big show like yours where you have a lot of people listening in with multiple leagues? And then there's some people right. listening in who play one league, and it's the most important thing to us. How how do you gauge giving out advice to the portfolio player? versus the single league player and providing that sort of balance yeah no that's a, that's a good question because yeah some sometimes people will have one league and not only that it's a one qb start 10 or i'm sorry 10 team one qb start nine right so it's super shallow it's very different than our typical 12 team start 11s yeah. so and we we play at super flex obviously and 1.75 tight end premiums all of that. I guess the first thing I'd say is is a lot of our advice and content in our show is built around just strategy. It doesn't necessarily have to involve the pieces at play. It's just how we work through a trade and how we discuss the process, you know, process over players. So yeah, man, that's a good question though. I mean, I was thinking about this last night actually. And once we get into the uh, pick by pick series. So we did that last year. That was a lot of fun. And I was like, instead of doing that live stream, I had so much fun making those videos last year as a uh, a creator nerd. So yeah, we're going to do 101 through 112 and we'll have a 1QB version as well. Because we do have, I think 40% of our audience is 1QB. So yeah. it's maybe not even, not 40, maybe 30, 35, but still we, we owe it to them. People playing them, dude. 
I get criticized because I continue to write and discuss one QB way too too most of the time. I guess I'm like a, a boomer. I'm like old school and kind of like, you know, the content I like to, to consume and it kind of trickles over and they'll be like, yo, Theo, yeah, there's a super flex app. Like my first rookie uh, rankings article I released and I actually had to do a second one, Clay, because of Henderson and Egbuka from Ohio State returning. So I dropped the new sure. one to myprofilo.com. But uh, nice. I, I like I like both and I think they're both very interesting. Today, we're actually going to we're going to focus today on super flex when we dive into the rookies but before we take a look at you know the the current stuff in dynasty and the current things we need to focus focus on we're in the nfl playoffs we have the regular season directly in our rear views right now it's incredibly fresh on our minds right you and scott and shane put a tremendous amount of time into your rosters your preparation for the year you guys you guys put you know you couldn't even quantify how many hours you spend thinking about your dynasty roster. And then <laughs> too, too many, too many. It's as soon as I go to the bathroom with my phone when I wake up, right? I'm yeah. not the only one. Go to bed <laughs> and and wake up. You're thinking about something fantasy football related, especially in season. But you know, you spend all that time, all that process. You think you've got a handle on everything. Then the games start, and there's excitement. There's positive surprises, and then there's always going to be disappointments. Sure. When it what was the what player was your biggest disappointment in Dynasty this year? And I asked this question on my redraft shows as well. And redraft, it's funny because redraft you have to feel that pain on a on a on a disappointing <laughs> draft pick selection or a startup selection for like a couple months. Yes, and you can feel it for years in in a league when you see a guy like you know Puka Nakua on somebody else's roster, right. uh, or a Sam Laporta if you chose to go Michael Mayer instead of Laporta. You're gonna feel that one for for ten years, but who was your kind of your biggest disappointment this year? Whether it was a guy you were bullish on or just a guy you had higher expectations for. So I think the the way I constructed a, a couple rosters and listener league ones especially is I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna take hammers. I'm gonna try to win at year one. You know I I, I want to win this league. So in one league in particular, our, our squirt league, I kind of built around like Eckler and who was it? Eckler, Kelsey, and these were both at good values, in my opinion. Who else? Uh, I'm trying to think who my other running back was. But but yeah, man, kind of just the disappointing performance of the old guys that I was taking. Because I was trying to have hired mercenaries, you know, just playing running back one week at a time. So, you know, Eckler was supposed to be better than he was. And Kelsey, same thing. So that is probably my biggest disappointment. And part of it is how I drafted, sure. But I've, I lost the the championship in that squirt league, but I won the uh, won the other one. Humble brag there. So, so yeah, Ben, that's what I would say. Yeah, I think that that one was caught caught a lot of people because there was like that Eckler buy window where everybody had that pl- fantasy playoff circled, and it seemed like it was going to be the ultimate. You know, maybe I'll get fifteen points a game out of them in those yeah. money weeks, and it just I, I, he he looks completely cooked. It'll be an interesting off season to see how he's valued on the market, uh, you know, expecting the Chargers to move in a new direction. Does some team view Eckler as a guy that can come in and help them in like a running back by committee? The market might be really, really low for him. So that'll be an interesting one to gauge. What about a player that you were high on and or a guy that was just a positive surprise for you that you maybe had exposure to on multiple dynasty rosters? Yeah, so... So I'll kind of answer it, but uh, but kind of not. So I had Jordan Love on a couple dynasty rosters, and I ne- I haven't necessarily been the biggest fan. Let's just let's just say, part of it gut and part of it just I'm not there yet. Okay, but he's been a surprise. Yeah. And what's nice is now he has a market, so he can almost get you into that conversation with the big boys. So if you package him up with with a nice wide receiver, I mean, can Jordan Love and CD Lamb that can't get you that can't get you Josh Allen? But basically, he matters in the conversation now. Yeah, he matters. So that's great because I've got a team that I was worried about is Jordan Love, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence. But now I'm now I'm loving that. Now I'm loving that QB room. Yeah, so love. That becomes an interesting one. And shout out to the chat. Uh, We have Nick Constantino in the chat, my friend, who is a two-time FFPC main event champion. Uh, So Nick, you know, shout out out to your your accomplishments there. 
missed it this year, but next year those guys will be very much back in the mix. They're really good, good, good team of players. But we have Brandon in the chat who says that Love is a superstar Mm. and he's just getting started. Where do you push back on this one? Because now you're looking at Jordan Love as, you know, you mentioned him as a pivot up. And I think there's a lot of people who see it your way where Jordan Love is a guy who had a top five season kind of out of nowhere. You didn't have to spend that much for him, whether it was a rookie draft pick that you've been sitting on for a long time on your roster or a guy that you took very, very late in dynasty startups. Yeah. Now you have a potential cash out. Do you think that there's an argument, Clay, that he's going to continue to gain value and he's worth more on your roster than what he would get you in a trade? Or do you kind of want to clarify a little bit on your your pivot up uh, with love yeah. valuation? Yeah, as you were saying that, maybe he does lean more towards the latter where he's more valuable just being on your squad. Uh, the the superstar, love is the superstar. Uh, hey, Brandon, I totally agree. If that's your thoughts, then that's your thoughts. He just doesn't have a lot of people who think that. Like he can still be a bit polarizing, which is why I say I think he can get you into the conversation with the big boys. With that being said, there are still some some people who are who are out on him. So. I answered, I remember somebody asked us on a live stream a year ago, like if we had a crystal ball and we could know or ask one player, be able to see how that player did. Jordan Love was was the one. And hey, he uh, he ended up showing up, dude. I have, I, I think that was probably an Alan Soslowski question because I've stolen it over the years. <laughs> and it's a great question during the summertime is if you could know the fantasy uh, scoring for any single player in the NFL, who would it be? And if you could pick one guy, that's sort of like a cascade effect that could uh, affect your entire draft strategy. But yeah, if you knew Jordan Love could give you top five QB scoring, then you could have completely punted the position and drafted him in like the 20th round of redraft, and you'd be loving your build. So that's definitely uh, definitely a fun one. Shout out to Alan Soslowski. Your yes, idea man. is now our idea. Yeah, uh, no, um, no, for sure. I got to throw this in though real quick. Danny Dimes was uh, was a huge disappointment as well. And it was only, I look at a couple of my worst performing teams and they were Danny Dimes builds where he was my QB two, And I still didn't even take him in the third round. I don't think, you know, it was like a fourth round. It was great value. Uh, but yeah, he, he ended up, he was sitting at the bottom of the IR and I was at the bottom of the standings in those leagues. So just got to give a, a shout out to Danny Dimes. Nice work, Danny. Yeah, I was, <laughs> uh, I remember that there was a, you know, there was a period of time during redraft where I was looking for a and Nick in the in the chat can can attest to this one. There was like sneaky stacks you could build in redraft, and I built this one team with uh, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, and tight end premium, and Danny Dimes in like the twelfth round. And I felt like really really smart on that build, and that team was worthless after about two weeks. Uh, so you you never know. Danny Dimes, I think, got a lot of us. And I think Danny Dimes is really a sort of a lesson learned. And that's sort of an argument for the, you know, and not to say Jordan Love is similar player in any ways, but these guys that have this immense success and then kind of scale back dramatically, that's sort of what you're referring to when you talk about like a, like a you know, we'll get a little bit more into it in the show, but maybe right. you could talk about the concept of, you know, pivoting up. Um, when you have a player where you could package them and it's sort of a cash out, uh, it's sort of a cash out, um, mentality where instead of you trying to evaluate Jordan love for his entire career and see where he's going, you're simply taking this quick return on investment and looking at to level up to a player. Yeah. To a player that you can, you can project for more like, you know, five for the five next years of the quarterback position, maybe share that philosophy because Scott talked about it when he was on dynasty life. And you guys talk about this a lot, being a little more player averse in your thought process and decisions. Yeah. I think with the, with the pivot up from, from Jordan love, I think the, the problem is the pool of quarterbacks is so small in terms of people being like, yeah, I, I, I want to bump up to what Josh Allen. I mean, Patrick Mahomes didn't set the world on fire. Still, I want him on my dynasty teams, but if it's like Justin Herbert, you don't have the you don't have the interest to move from Jordan Love to Justin Herbert. What are you really getting? You know, Scott drops the the war word all the time, and yeah, you can see it on the you can see it on the curve. You got Josh Allen, and you know Jalen Hurts used to be that, but 
other than that though there's there's such a small there's much such a small market and i think the i think the format really comes into play too like six point per passing touchdowns like give me cj stroud give me joe burrow um i'm still high on lamar in all formats but it's just it's a small group and there's not much incentive to move up from the jordan loves of the world in my opinion or like dak that kind of thing so that was part of your question. What was it? What did I miss? Uh, miss Theo? The, the idea, the, the, the idea in the process yeah, of being, yeah, playing player agnostic, player player averse, and really gaining value on as many yeah. trades as possible. Scott Scott's gone into that in detail, but it, does it come down to you as being able to go two for ones, or yeah. on the flip side, a one for one where you receive a player and a pick? Yeah, so so it depends on the format for sure. And everything comes down to league economy. You know, your league mileage may vary. But yeah, it comes down to format. So if it's like a start 11, and when we say that, we don't include kicker and defense. And that's that's a pretty deep format. We always go off of 12 teams start 10 super flex, which is kind of mid-range. And then once you get into like the start nines, even start 10 comes into play. You want to package picks or package players to tear up and get a hammer. Whereas yeah. it's the opposite in a deeper start 11, as you know. So essentially in a shallow format, like a start eight, start nine, 10 team, the, the side with less pieces tends to win. And then vice versa can be the case in a deeper format. So yeah, we're, we're happy to trade around tiers all day. You know, if, if you're in, if you're in tight end land and you've got a, Evan Ingram or something like that. Somebody wants to, for whatever reason, wants to give you Cole Komet and a third. It's like, yeah, or in a second, maybe. I like Ingram. Maybe that's not the best example. I love Ingram but too. You, but you get the yeah, you get the idea. It's it's we're more than happy. Like I look at Bijan Robinson's name now, and it really, even though I'm a Horns fan, it really doesn't mean much to me. I mean, if I can get proper Bijan value, get 90% for him, let's do it. I mean, it's January 17th. So this is sell running back season, not buy running backs, right? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that that's a that's a definitely an interesting uh topic as well. We're going to dive a little bit more into the running back position, but you know, wanted to ask you kind of I love to dive into my guests kind of philosophies on dynasty yeah. uh when they when they step into dynasty life and you guys talk about trades all the time. And I think this time of year you see several kinds of dynasty managers once i get what when you get through week 17 there are certain dynasty managers who as soon as their league allows trades usually there might be a buffer between the championship and then trade window some just are some just are the wild wild west but there's some fantasy managers where if you're getting trade uh, offers uh, in, in multiple times a week a lot of times i'm seeing the same managers sending me offers it's sure. it, you'll have some guys go into hibernation who really do want to take a little break and step away. And some are like revved up mode. Yep. Where do you fall in line here? Clay, are you more of a take a step back, let offers come to me guy, or do you want to be involved in as many trades as possible? And do you see this window as being advantageous or, or disadvantageous uh, for trading in like this actual NFL yeah. playoff window? Yeah, so the leagues I'm in are definitely active, and and I'm generally pretty active in them as well. Uh, Shane and I actually made a trade live last night. It was the OG Listener League that I won, humble brag again. His team's a trash can, and I traded him, and this is a 14-team start 11, so very deep. But I traded him the uh, the 105 and the 110 for the 103. And that's the league where I'm talking about where I have Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Jordan Love. And even though I may not need a QB there, somebody might, or I can just take neighbors. I had the extra draft capital. I have 225 first. So that was a trade. I tend to be a little bit more come to me if I had to say which side I lean, just because I'm also just constantly thinking about the channel, not, not just dynasty football, but also thinking about dynasty trades in five. Right. So I can, I can be challenging from time to time, or if I'm with my kids, I can be a little late on replies, but I, I send out a lot of offers and and I yep. get a lot of offers. Essentially the league knows that I'm down, like I'm down to, to talk and it could be whatever player Shane and I get stuff done. I'm, I'm all about trading efficiently. That's my problem with it. I have a I have trouble with seeing the notification 
you know, things on, on my app, on the home screen that I've got sleeper DMs, and then it ends up being a trash offer. So Shane knows to come with 90% of it, at least. I think that's the biggest problem is inefficient trading where somebody's sending you crap and then they're just, they're just over it. You know, they're totally, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, I feel like that's, you know, people who do that and they're, first of all, the, the better you get at dynasty and, no, it's not really an, an even up thing, but when we're talking about leagues where you're spending money, you know, insulting the intelligence of your fellow <laughs> league members is not a good way to get trades done. And I think that the occasionally you get into it where maybe somebody who's a little less experienced gets a gets an orphan, uh, you know, ripping somebody off completely might be a short term benefit for you, but long term that person's going to remember to never trade with you again. Yes. Uh, so you know, at the end of the day mutually beneficial trades, at least on paper, and you can use your own valuation to, to see what matters more to you end up paying more in the long run for you getting deals done for years for to sure. come. Would you want to elaborate anything else on that? Yeah. Clay? No, no, I think that's, and Shane and Scott did a whole mannequin chill and the, the title and the, in the content was the value of just getting trades done. So even if it's something small where you're liquidating a piece for a third, the value is getting the trade done, freeing up a roster spot, getting some kind of liquid asset. So, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with, with where he's at on uh where he's at on that. I'm trying to think of the, the rest of your question, Theo, sorry, I zoned out again. What was the general gist? And I'll remember. No, it was generally just a, a trading philosophy thing. And, uh, more like how to deal with lesser lesser managers without like killing them and yeah yeah and offending the rest of your league mates. But so look look at me look at me performing well, zoning out twice now. But but yeah, I tend to look at the other team squad, see what they need, see what I have. I look at my team obviously more in depth, but I also come out with with an offer that's pretty damn close to my final offer. I don't like messing around. You'll get offers where it's 60% and you know it, but you're just you're tired of them. So you're not even going to counter. It's just a smash decline. I also don't like to give any information. I, I decline and then don't say anything in the DMs. But yeah, man, I, I come with it. I come with 90, 95% of it. I'm within a second or third with my first offer usually. So no, I love for it. For better or worse, whether it's it's correct values or not. I uh, Yeah, I try to get them done, man. And I'll done. give I'll give uh I'll give Sean Siegel a shout out for this, but he wants to be involved with every single deal in his league, or he feels like he's losing out <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, 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 it's no. it's sort of like yeah, just you feel like if there's a trade that goes down between two managers and you weren't offered either of those players in any sort of a deal and weren't invited to the conversation table, that's that's not a great thing. Yeah, and then I'll give one one more quote to Tony Soprano. Those that want respect have to give respect. So like when it comes to trade offers, you know, be respectful in your trades. And I think Clay, the one smart thing you really said there, and Scott said the same thing, and I'm sure Shane says the same thing is you don't need to give information. If I offer you Javante Williams for a 2025 first and you want to turn me down, you don't need to get into your your messages and say, I have no interest in Javante Williams. Yeah, or, this is a you know, start one running back, so I'm good with what I have. Yeah, you don't need to educate the people who are sending you trash offers. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so it's like there's no rule saying that you need to, unless you think this is some sort of ongoing dialogue where, hey, if you throw me an extra second, uh, you know, maybe this trade gets it done or Javante in a second gets my first, something like that. If it's clear, but in terms of yes. just like a lot of times I think people tilt they get annoyed by an offer or they think they're getting, you know, a low ball, yeah. like, and they let somebody know, you know, it's, it's it, the negotiations sharing more information does not benefit you unless you're right at the end and you think it's something yeah. that needs to be clarified. And another thing too, with being active in trading and being known as like someone you can go to, like that's huge when it comes to like the, the playoff time, I forget what week it was, but being able to buy Ty Chandler for a third, yes. like the Ty Chandler manager knew to come to you if you needed like, like a hammer and you just, you buy a spot start and he crushed that first week. The second week was definitely disappointing, but that's, what's nice is like, if players like that are on the market, you're at least like, please say hi to me, please, please <laughs> touch base with me, slide into my DMs. Let me know what you got going. So I, I think that's huge, man. I, I'm big on like league psychology and just, you know, 
if leagues are very quiet and there's not many trades, find somebody who wants to trade and just get a small one done. Get get a yeah. small one done. So it, it gives you the alert that a trade's been completed or, I mean, MFL sends you an email or whatever. But yeah, just wake it up with a uh, with a small trade. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. No, and, I love that, it. That's I, I got to make a plug for no trade deadlines too, is is the, the trade deadline argument. And hey, you do you. But it seems like the argument is always this like doomsday scenario where somebody's just like like collusion overpay, right? But what if I just want to give a third for Ty Chandler or like when when he was doing something, Danny DeVito, let me get it, get you off him like super cheap. Or me in the squirt league, I gave, what was it, like the 107? And I got something back, but for Kyron Williams, I, I wanted to I wanted to make a run. So I don't know, dude. It doesn't have to be crazy, these trade deadline things. I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah, there's always an, an anarchy outcome in, in the arguments for it. It's, uh, it's definitely a polarizing topic, though, for sure. But we're going to yeah. dive into this 2024 class. We're really excited That's about good. it. Clay and I are going to rank out our top 12. We're going to talk about ways for you to make some trades. And we're going to drive it, dive into the running back position a little bit. Uh, stick with us here at Dynasty Life. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five. Six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you could 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota is going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, And you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 Underdog matches that deposit up to a hundred bucks with promo code Underworld. Go start picking. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. So Clay, we have un like incredible amount of enthusiasm and steam right now with this 2024 draft class. And you know, again, I dropped my single QB ranks, but. When it comes to Superflex right now, mm -hmm. you have three quarterbacks that we're, we're absolutely projecting into the NFL top 10. Sure. And it's not just because of scarcity. It's like profiles we really are excited about. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. And then we have Marvin Harrison Jr., who's maybe the best wide receiver prospect we've ever seen. Yeah. And even if you don't agree with that, we would you agree that he's the most steam you've ever seen behind a wide receiver prospect? 100%. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think that at that at this point it's really not an argument. And people love pushing back on things on like social media, but guys, we could take a time machine back. People were really excited about Jamar Chase, but he but took that like he this. took the year off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did. Yeah, not like this. Not not yeah. even close. But it's exciting. And what do you know? He's slotting right into that tier with the aforementioned Jamar Chase. So go ahead, Ben. Yeah, he's already there. And Dynasty Startup. You know, when we start doing Dynasty Startups. You know, like Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a first rounder in Dynasty Startup single QB right out the gate. So then we also get to Malik Neighbors, who we both are, yeah. you've already mentioned as a pivot for you at 103. If you don't like the quarterback situations or you love the, the Malik Neighbors landing spot, he's like wide receiver one overall almost every single year in other draft Ex classes. Except for this one. Absolutely. Except for this one. Bad well, timing, bad. but he's still going to get the draft capital. And then you have. Yeah. What, however you want to cut it, you've got, especially for tight end premium drafters, Brock Bowers is just like a special prospect in terms of his value and how you rate him in non-tight end premium. He's still going to be up there. But why don't we start at the very top? You start out, and I think we're going to be in lockstep for a couple of picks here. Who is number one for you right now in Superflex uh, rookie drafts? 
How many? Uh, how many teams? How many starters? You pick. You're the guest. Okay, let's do a let's do a twelve team. We'll stick with the the, the usual. I'll stay in my lane in a couple of ways here. Twelve team start ten super flex PPR, yep. and we'll start with no tight end premium. How about that? No tight end uh, premium. Okay, you got it. So so it's tough, man. It, it really comes down to my QB room. I would love to take Marvin Harrison one hundred and one. With that being said, I tend to lean quarterback in a super flex. I, I'm not gonna lie. I like to feel very comfy um, in a super flex, but. If for whatever reason I have like a couple other picks, maybe I can move up to the 101 or 102 and get me some Marvin Harrison Jr. I want to try to get him. But with that being said, it would be very team dependent, very league dependent. If it were a 14 team super flex, I'm going to take Caleb Williams. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Jaden Daniels. And if you want to you want to make that bet, obviously Drake Mays a stud too, but it's either Caleb or Mar for me. I've mentioned so, a couple of teams where my builds aren't around elite QBs and it's like, whatever, man, let's just drive Marv off the lot. We know he's a, he's a first round startup pick and super flex too. Yeah. And I, I think that that's an interesting one. And I think that much like Bijan Robinson, it's a pathway for you where if you need QB the following year, Harrison jr. If he gets injured in, in the, and God forbid this doesn't happen, but if he gets injured in the preseason, misses the entire season he's so insulated yeah exactly yeah you'll be able to trade him for like the 102 next year so i'm gonna go ahead i'll be the tiebreaker here we're gonna take collectively caleb williams with the 101 and then let's not waste any time let's go marvin harrison jr at the 102 um i think williams is really locked in and i think that people are poking holes in his game and i'm not going to claim to be mel kuyper i'm not sitting here and watching every single game tape of caleb williams But he does things where you watch him, and he's incredibly special. He's and I think special. he'll be the yeah. yeah. So, like for you, where do you think if you had to gauge the market, Caleb Williams falls in a super flex dynasty startup? I think QB QB nine. Yeah, I mean p- potentially, but I also always think about uh, I'm getting the pick. Sure, like we're attaching a name to it right now, but I'm getting the pick. I'm not yeah. getting the one hundred uh, Marvin Harrison with the one hundred one. I'm getting the one hundred one. But uh, but yeah, I mean he's gonna have so much steam. I'm looking forward to doing some startups like yesterday, yeah. <laughs> where the where the picks are in the uh, in the draft and the one hundred one's gonna go super early. Yeah, I mean Caleb Williams. I don't have like rankings in front of me. Don't do that uh, fun stuff. But. He's some people are going to be like, whatever, I will consider him over like he'll go over T law. Yeah. Like the fields range. Somebody may take him over burrow. Like he's going to creep around in that area, but yeah, he's going to be top seven, top eight. The one Oh one is going to be, uh, is going to be so high. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, what, it's, it's exciting. And with, we'll talk about it with a couple guys going back to school. I think it just steamed up that one Oh four or, top top five six at the latest for me right now but go ahead yeah yeah and i think that's interesting because uh, i've said that as well and people bring up depth of the class and depth of the position but when you lose two guys we were projecting to be potentially in the in the top 15 of super flex drafts it loses value it, it and, matters and the picks consolidate yeah. and the tiers matter and all that kind of stuff so um yeah for sure it, what like was Egbuka going to be wide receiver three in this class i don't think so but i think that what do the you fact have him that, for I would have, I had him, I think at wide receiver five in my initial ranks. So for him to lose him. And then I know Scott was not, you know, over head over heels over Henderson. There was some questions about his health, but I think the dynasty community was excited about Henderson as a whole. And he, you know, sure. kind of was a guy who could prop up the the running back class. So we're scrambling a little bit in the back half, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk one Oh three here yeah. because you mentioned Jaden Daniels. There's Drake may. And Malik neighbors. And I think in a perfect world, me and you could just say that's a tier for us and let's move on. But we're actually ranking together here. (laughs) Clay, where do you want to go with the 103? Do you want to go with your, you know, we can't call him generational because he's the wide receiver two in this class, but we could call him a multiple time pro bowler, multiple time wide receiver one potential in Malik neighbors. Or we can go with the exceptional rushing ability of Daniels or the sort of Teflon, huge cannon arm, sneaky athleticism of Drake May. Where is your initial lean here at the 103? 
it's it's tough. I, I think it's it's interesting because last year we were still all about the spend up and a startup to get two elite QBs. That that was still our thing. But now you look at the depth of QB and we're talking about where Caleb slates in right off the bat. You know, we're assuming great draft capital and, and I think we can confidently assume great NFL draft capital for these guys. So so yeah, I'm 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 okay with uh with trying to sneak neighbors in there. You know, yeah. I would love to have basically the opportunities to do that or with new startups building kind of with that strategy, because you look at some of the teams that won in your leagues and and at least maybe I'm just speaking for a lot that I saw, but their quarterback rooms aren't that sexy. You know, they're what they got Derek Carr in there. You know, it's it's nothing crazy. So we are open. Well, I am open to uh, to building like that and, and try to jam in neighbors. But again, Again, I'm a I'm a quarterback and a super flex guy. I've I'm excited about Jaden Daniels, especially if it's a four point per passing touchdown. But I'm I'm gonna go neighbors, man. I'm just gonna do it because that is hopefully what I was able to uh, to build. Yeah, and for me, I think when I'm it, I keep going back and forth on this with my super flex rankings. I think for me personally, I might go neighbors, and I'm not gonna push back with you. We're locking him in here nice. when I'm doing my rankings for player profiler. I think it's a, a more of a safety valve argument than anything where if you get a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May with your 103, that's a position that I think you have checked off for you know years to come. Both of yeah. those guys can be QB1s. Now, I don't think either one of them is as nearly as Teflon as Caleb. And I've seen some people trying to make that argument that you know, you see these articles come out and these rankings come out this time of year where guys try to get a little cute yeah, and yeah. they try to get yeah, clicks. Sure. Caleb's QB one. It may may and Williams though. I'm glad you brought up scoring because we'll, we've locked in neighbors here. Do you think there's an argument that May versus versus Daniels here comes down to the scoring format of your league? Because um, I think yeah. there's a good argument for that. Yeah, I mean that that would be that would be part of it for me. But like you said, uh, sneaky athletic for Drake May. He definitely is. So he's. You know, I still think of them very highly in in all formats. But yeah, man, I, I think it's I think it's pick your pick your poison, pick your whatever your cup of tea is. I think yeah, as long as they get great draft capital and we like their spots, like everybody's like throwing Minnesota out there. But you know, the Commanders is Caleb Williams going there. That's a popular thing. But as long as they have good landing spots and and you want to go with what may be a safer option. Uh, in the six point per passing touchdown, give me Drake May, I think. But in a four point, it could go either way. Five point, it could go either way. It's what your room looks like, your build. If you already have a Justin Fields type, maybe you don't want to, you know, make a bet on a Jaden Daniels. Maybe that's a team where you're more, you know, you want to you want to be a wuss or at least be more uh, be more conservative. And it's a Drake May team. So let's go May. Let's at. go. Let's go May, and then let's Daniels. go May. And and we'll stay Daniels at the that five. Works. And let me ask you this, because this is a Matt Kelly, the podfather. Um, you know, one of his kind of like axioms for evaluating quarterbacks is if he's ranking this like May and Daniels, like he'll want Daniels in a single QB league. Uh, he'll push that guy up who's got potential to be a, you know, provide you that great rushing ability. And yeah. then a guy like May, which you bring up like the safety of him, how May's been on our, our radar like longer than Daniels for this sort of draft think, capital. Yeah. Um, do you buy into that as well, having different rankings for single versus super flex when you're evaluating the specific kinds of quarterbacks? Yeah, that's a good question because uh, Shane always says, and I always like to quote it, but uh, a QB that puts up crooked numbers in a, in a single QB. So when I think single QB and I think shallow and I think four point per passing touchdown, that's where Jaden Daniels is the pick. Like we were encouraging last year, obviously he got hurt, but taking Anthony Richardson in a single QB as early as 105, if it made sense for your build, like just go ahead and take him. He's one of those quarterbacks who can make a difference in a single QB. It's those onesie positions like quarterback and tight end where there's value to be had and they're kind of under underappreciated, you know, yeah. they're kind of pushed to the side, but go ahead. Yeah, That's so a lot, I, I think you you nailed it. It's it's the onesie position difference makers, and I think that this year we're that's a that's a great conversation for you guys on Dynasty Trades and Five or us at Sonic Truth is 
how high you would push uh, a Williams or a Daniels because I think they both have a yeah. single QB because I, I had Ian Miller of the 33rd team who was really good and he came on Futurecast with us. We did a mock draft and, and Ian likes Caleb Williams at 107 in single QB right now because sure. he thinks he's got immense and Jaden Daniels falls into his top 12 in single QB right now for that same reason. So that's a definitely an interesting conversation, but we're here yeah. at the 106 clay. Where is your initial lean at the 106? And I'll say this, like Brock Bowers is Teflon, huge value at the tight end position. This is not tight end premium. And then you have Roma Dunze who's steamed up, going to have draft capital. And then you have three quarterbacks here, which we're not that excited about, but sure. with a with a big but we could have be talking about three guys sliding into the first round. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there'll be six quarterbacks drafted. But I do think with this class, there's going to be five quarterbacks. There could be the five. Round. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Who's the one who's teetering for you? We'll, we'll we'll move on with your question, but who's teetering? Well, Is it JJ McCarthy or it's, it, for me, it's McCarthy because McCarthy, I think I'm gonna have to sit on. So yeah. it's a it's a it's a super flex asset where McCarthy's 20. Not a lot was asked out of him. It'll be a 21 year old in the NFL. He's got the athleticism. He has the size. But I think that teams are gonna like him more, like as a sit for a year and then you know draft him like Detroit drafts at the end of the first round and I don't think people love him as a first round pick but if you're the Lions you could draft him at the end of the first round have him sit behind Goff till he's ready I think a team like Minnesota if Cousins their plan is to bring back Cousins right you know have Cousins be a two-year gap and then McCarthy's got more of a you know a path in 2025 so like I don't want to call a guy a bust because I don't think we're really going to see him play for a year um, whereas Knicks, I think to me, Bo Nix is the one I'm kind of most intrigued about because he's mm. got the size and I think he's going to have the draft capital Penix, I, I think another team might also go with those guys, but those guys are 23. They are what they yeah. are. So none of these guys I'm like in a perfect world, I would take Bowers or Adunze, but do any of these quarterbacks kind of intrigue you enough that we should push that down and, and dive in? No, not not yet. Yeah, we're not th we're not there yet. Uh, and, and I'll kind of stay in my lane too. I'm I'm no like rookie pro. Let me let me put that out. No, there. but you like, gauge you you can gauge what these guys are worth. And I exactly think that's, yeah. market and and just what what they're yeah what they're worth on the on the open market. So for me, it's it's a Dunze or Bowers. I'll say for for tight ends, I think for me anyway, more than any position, it is a league economy situation. Does your league like tight ends? Because I think even in non-tight end premiums, Brock Bauer is going to have a lot of steam this year because of how Laporta performed. I mean, Musgrave showed a little bit. Kincaid, there's there's going to be a lot of steam behind tight ends to where I think Bowers is going to have a lot of insulation too. People, uh, you hear a couple people say oh, he's going to be the next Kyle Pitts in terms of production and a proverbial bust wherever you are at on that, but. I think he's going to have a lot of insulation. So yeah, we play in tight end premiums where he could be, you know, the 105, 106 range. If it's a two tight end league, he ain't making it to the 105. He's going to go, you know, 103, 104. So I would go, I would go Bowers. I love Roma Dunze too, but just playing the market and this, the steam of him over a Dunze, I would probably do that. I'm with uh, you. It, you, you're with me. It yeah, is a Bowers, tight end premium, but I think for the value, I think I would take him. I think Bowers, the market is going to be growing in enthusiasm for Bowers, yeah. especially with the, the recent success of Sam Laporta, because it's less of a sell to somebody like Scott. I'll give Scott credit. Scott, you know, he loves looking at, you know, archetypes and, 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 you know, what's happened in the past. And the one thing that he brought up with Sam Laporta was, you know, the, the height of the tight end position, you know, he didn't love his yeah. height and how statistically it's a poor bet. I think that that kind of goes out the window. I think this Laporta and, and Bowers are not the same player. Bowers will also be a top 10 pick, but I think they have the same kind of outcomes where these guys are not your traditional, like inline six, five to 65 pounds. Yeah. It's a different position now. Yeah, he's it's a it's a de facto wide receiver tight end hybrid almost. Uh and Bowers, I think, is gonna get that top ten draft capital. I think even in non tight end premium, he's really insulated. 
And then you bring up tight end premium. Like I think an FFPC non-superflex Bowers and Neighbors is going to end up being a conversation. I'll go Neighbors mm. at the end, but I think there'll be some people that'll that'll allow Neighbors to go to the 103 just because Bowers in tight end premium scoring could end up being like an 18 point per game guy. He's basically going to give you yeah. wide receiver one production at the tight end spot. So uh, let's go Bowers, and then we let's can continue at the 107. Adunze is right there for me as well, so I'm happy yeah. to get these two picks out of the way. So to to recap let's our collective draft so far, Williams at the top, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors. We went wide receiver, wide receiver over quarterback. Then we went Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Brock Bowers at the six, Roma Dunze at the seven. Now we're in kind of a weird spot because you're at any running back you want. You're at a bunch of wide receivers who are intriguing. And then we have other quarterbacks. What would your initial lean be for at the 108? Which way you want to go here, Clay? Yeah, it's it's tough because I, I think back to the to the Drake London, uh, Garrett Wilson, Ken Walker draft. And I was like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. I am just going to have lots of darts. And I like you said, with a portfolio thing, I just had tons of picks and I took a lot of a lot of all of them. But so I personally don't like to try to thread the needle in this area. And yeah, you can you can get like you know, screwed by the Olaves of the world, getting them at like 108s or something. You got playoff teams getting Olave back in the day, but I tend to like to to bail out here strategically to a to a 25 first. You find a crappy team's 25 first, or you're gonna make a bet on that. You look at the quarterbacks first. But in terms of uh assuming this is my only team <laughs> or we're at startup and we're taking one of them, I <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I lean going quarterback here. Okay. Uh, with the with the draft capital and all. I don't know if I could do JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Ah, what do you what are you thinking, man? Is I think quarterback Bo Nix, in play here. I think quarterback's in play. So it it stinks because we're doing this now where we don't know the the draft capital and the landing spots. I love Troy Franklin, yeah. but we're talking about a guy that could go anywhere from like 15 to to 35 in the actual NFL draft. Uh, I think Thomas from LSU at the end of the day, all about him. Yeah. Brian Thomas. I love Thomas. Thomas is funny because Thomas has 17 touchdown catches this year, which puts him right behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase for the most touchdown catches in LSU history in a single season. And he does that with Malik neighbors on the field and nobody's talking about him. So I think right now, like Thomas is probably like a lot of people have him steaming up, but then there's some people who have him behind Franklin, behind Coleman, behind both Texas wide receivers. So it's a little bit of like a disparity between once we get past the Dunze, I think there's kind of like a pick your poison. There's yeah. a lot of guys people like, but people don't want to flag plant. I flag plant planted Troy Franklin just because I think these low BMI guys with this draft capital have all been coming in and hitting. He's they have threat. He's explosive. Um, so I'm I'm okay going back to the wide receiver well, but if you want to go quarterback. I think this no. is Bonix Bonix territory too. If you want, I'm I'm good. If you're if you're that uh that excited about about those players, I'd be down to go uh to go Brian Thomas Jr. Xavier Worthy again. I'm a Texas fan, but yeah. uh, I think I would go Brian Thomas over over Worthy right now. But yeah. landing landing spot could matter with uh with that. I don't know. I'm I'm down to go Brian Thomas Jr. Let's go Brian Thomas uh again. And I think with Brian Thomas Jr. It's 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 he's going to be a first round NFL pick. Yes. I think that just the way that, that that's the way the ball is rolling. And I think he could end up in the top 15 uh, when all is said and done. So I think that the steam is not there for him, but I think it will be one of those guys that we see a correction in the market right after the actual NFL draft or heading into it uh, because the production, the profile, the, you know, and now the draft capital, it's all going to be there. So now we're sitting here at the one Oh nine, we could go back to the wide receiver. Well, or we could consider a quarterback. Which way are you leaning? If I could just throw this in here real quick, yeah. where veteran wise, where where are we at? Where are we at? Like Brandon Ayuk, let's say in a super flex. Brandon Ayuk are the one hundred and seven. Theo, twelve team super flex start ten. I think I'm going Brandon Ayuk. Right. I love the fact you bring up Brandon Ayuk. I saw somebody in your chat last night was asking about the one hundred and three yeah, yeah. Ayuk, and I'm like, you know, like, we'll, uh... we'll, we'll we'll slow the slow our roll a little bit. But it's funny because last year in single QB, 
you saw him getting traded for a random 2024 first. Yeah. That was kind yeah. of the market for Ayuk. People liked him enough to do it. Not a high one, but I Ayuk to me has the talent to be wide receiver one overall in the season. He just doesn't have the situation. Yeah. Um, and but I think he's so like Brandon Ayuk versus Roma Dunze. You have to go Brandon yeah. Ayuk in that situation. Yeah, because like I was saying, I don't just punt to 25 in this spot, but I am definitely looking at at veterans along the way. You know, earlier on Tyreek Hill, if I just need a hammer or, you know, here late in the first, you know, T Higgins is is in play or you're going after DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, even if you have to add something here or there on either side. That's where I start thinking about this as well. But what pick are we on, dude? We are at the 109. So we have any running back you want the rest of the wide receivers, or if you want to go and if you're an actual super flex, let's say trading's off the table. Is this the kind of thing where you're going to kind of bite the bullet and go with one of the potential first round quarterbacks? Yeah, I probably would. I probably would at this point. And we can, we can pick your favorite. So Bo Nix is, is your favorite out of uh Penix, Nix and, uh, and McCarthy. I mean, favorite that's, in that's like quotation, favorite in quote, favorite in quotation <laughs> marks. I don't love any of these guys, but I do expect the draft capital and the chance that, he could be a starter right out right out the gate. So six I'll point go, per passing touchdown. Is that what we're going off we, of? We yeah, we can go six point or four point here. I, I think that either one at this point, like the the insulated starter QB who's gonna get first round draft capital versus yeah. you know a wide receiver at at 109. I feel like if I miss, I'm not like you know, potentially in, in ruins for forever. Uh, and if sure. I hit, it's a guy who's going to gain value right away. So I'd be okay going Bo Nix here at the 109. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine by me. And I think that's another big thing too is uh, drafting liquid assets. Even if there's a – QJ is a bad example, but people liked him, you know, with the yeah. landing spot and all. So buying – as long as you stay active and don't just buy and hold, but you buy what the league wants – we were talking about Bowers, how he could have steam even in single QB shallow leagues. That's a focus too. And I'm also going to look at more, I'm going to try to look at more like film type stuff and learn more about X's and O's. We'll see how, how much time I have for what. Got to triage it. Yeah, that, that, that's right. You know, you could, if, you, if you could double up your hours in the day, you could, you could have more time for that. Uh, get back to the, to the 110 here. You yeah. know, you, you bring up wide receivers. Uh, I think for me, I have a little more question marks about Penix and McCarthy in terms of their draft capital. They're more like, I think Knicks at the end of the day will end up being drafted in the first. Those two guys I think could end up in the second, the hit rates for second round QBs versus first, it goes down. I think I'm back to the wide receiver. Well here, you know, you have Adonai Mitchell, you have Xavier, Xavier worthy. worthy. Uh, you have, you know, uh, Troy Franklin, you have Keon Coleman. There's multiple options here, which, which would be your kind of your initial lean, you know, when you take a bird's eye view at the class, the guy that kind of intrigues you the most. Yeah, I, I would say for me, I, I tend to I tend to like the X receiver. I tend to like size, you know. That that's why I think Nico Collins has some value insulation because he's just a big dude. And uh DK Metcalf, those types. So if I were on the clock, and, and again, I know we're speaking of Xavier Worthy here, there are some some guys who have hit who are smaller in nature, right? But I personally would be leaning Keon Coleman here. Yeah. It sounds like there's people who are cooling on him these days, like you said, but I mean, what does he list at? He's six, four, right? Six, four, he's six, four 200 pounds. And he's going to run very well. He played basketball at Michigan state for Tom Izzo for a short period of time. So he's that oh, level of athlete. That. That's awesome. Yeah. He scored. I, I, uh, I wrote about it initially in an article and I didn't quote him and some Michigan fan, you know, came at me or, and was like, he scored against Michigan and I knew he was basketball, but like that level of athlete, He's going to be a first-round pick, and he's only 20 years old now, so he'll be a 21-year-old rookie. I think Keon Coleman, like, he could fail. Guys like this can sure. fail, but if he hits, he could really, really hit. So I'm okay going Coleman uh, at the 10. Uh, let's lock that one in. Um, how it. about here at the at the 11? We could stick with the outside receiver. Uh, you said you're a Longhorns fan. What's your initial feel on Adonai Mitchell? Because Cody Carpenter really likes him a lot. He's got the T. Higgins kind of to him. Um, I prefer Troy Franklin, but I could see Mitchell being a very good pro. 
Yeah, he he could be no for sure for sure. And again, better size than than worthy. I think in terms of market market value, I think worthy will be a a sexier name. And just because he's the quote unquote one, you know, um, and I'm just looking at back at previous comments here saying Coleman can't separate. It yeah, all. There, that's that's a knock on him. And I'll say this. Yeah, uh, like shout out to the chat, Brandon. Yeah, Maddie, yeah, Brandon, Maddie, everybody Maddie, else in here. Maddie Kiwum, uh, who co-hosts Futurecast with me, and Maddie is in fact a tape grinder. Can, Maddie could project the first seven rounds of the NFL draft at every position, uh, and Maddie does. That's his fade. Keon Coleman is his fade. Is it? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think the NFL teams are fading Coleman, so we might not see the separation. Uh, we might see that sort of thing. But the, you know, again, the guy had some very pro- high, produ- highly productive games in college. He had three touchdown yeah. catches against LSU, and he's going to get the draft capital. So at the end of the day. The, the NFL teams are going to tell you what they think about Keon Coleman. If he gets drafted 45 overall right. with this profile, then maybe we got to take a step back. Sure. If he goes, if he goes 18 with this draft profile, then, you know, the hit rates have been there for this sort of profile as well. So yeah, I'm, I, I'd go, I'd go Xavier worthy here. I think. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I would go. It is funny. I'm listening to my kid go, Dada. It's like, dude, Charlie, you were supposed to be over at Izzy's house next door. I'm I'm live with with Theo, man. Come on, <laughs> no, but he's he's fine. He'll survive. It's um, the power of power of live podcast here, and uh, I love the wording. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll wrap we'll wrap this up, uh, and I'll finish the 12th pick. We'll go we'll go Troy Franklin, my flag plant wide receiver. So just to recap, we went Caleb Williams at one, Marvin Harrison Jr. at two, Malik Neighbors at three. Drake May at four, uh, Jaden Daniels at five, Brock Bowers at six, Roma Dunze at seven. We went with Brian Thomas at eight. We went with Bo Nix at nine, Keon Coleman at 10, Xavier Worthy at 11, Troy Franklin at 12. And then, Clay, the, the first question is the running back spot. Like right now, when you guys take a step back and look at this running back class, it's clearly not as good as the last two years because we don't have that level of play at the top. But right. do you think that there's some sort of a potential buying opportunities and the market for these guys uh, is going to be more attractive because of the general consensus that people don't like the class? I'm in that boat where I kind of really want to get the second round picks yeah, because I, I think that people are going to be wrong. And I think that there's going to be draft capital will speak volumes, but I don't buy this, this argument that there's going to be like one or two, one or two tops on the first two days of the draft. I think a couple more guys will slide yeah. in there. What's your general sense of of the market uh, for the running back spot? It's tough because people hate running backs, right? That's, that's how like, I'm not like tooting our horn, but we've been like (laughs) team hate running back for a long time and just see them as, as an asset, a placeholder, a body. The mercenary comment. I love your term mercenary. I use that too. Uh, Are you looking at guys more of like being in a one year window specifically for most of the running backs on your roster? Yeah, and and of course, looking at league economy, if if it's a shallow single QB league and it's a half PPR, like let's not downplay running back. It's a different story, you know. That's for for that kind of format that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I try to listen to try to listen to smart people like yourself and and Ray G. I just listened to one of his uh, his shows. I mean, yeah, he seems to like uh, what is it, Bucky Irving? He likes, he, he likes Blake Corum as well. Yeah, I like exactly. Blake, Corum. Blake I like Corum's Bucky is number one. Yeah, Blake Corum, when you look at him on the field, you're like, this guy, I I like this guy. He's a football player, you know, like, like that's what the eyeballs tell me. Is he anything like ultra special? No, but you can see he's going to be a good player for a while. And there are value. uh, There is some value. And I'm not saying this is a direct player comp, but having those Brian Robinsons on your team, it's like this guy can just be in my build. He can be my running back to just this horse. Just give him touches kind of thing. So. I'm very curious as to how I'm going to play running back as well, because I'm very much open to, I mean, even the Najee types, like gross, like it feels so gross saying that, but he did okay at the end. And if we're in this, you know, end of the end of the first, uh, not end of the first, no way. But if we're the second, if we're like early, mid, late second, I'm also thinking about buying a buying of that. Yeah, and, and and going that way. What what do you think, man? You you know these players a lot better than I do. Well, who I'll are, give a shout out. Uh, who are your I, I top had, three or so? I had Braylon Allen right at the top at the running back spot. Mm-hmm. I agree with Brandon. He's very young. He's huge, and mm-hmm. he was very productive at Wisconsin. 
Blake Corum, I think, checks off a ton of boxes. He, the only knock on Blake Corum is you're drafting a 23-year-old who will turn 24 next year. Yeah. So it's kind of like a – but I think NFL teams are going to kind of view him as a guy that they can use right away. I'm very intrigued by Jonathan Brooks. I think if we were recording this six months ago, Jonathan Brooks would have been like in our first round of Superflex. But he tore his ACL, but now yeah. he's declared for the draft. And then I had like – I had Trey Benson, Audric Estime, Bucky Irving, all in my like top 20, uh, all from running back spots. So I'm kind of like, you bring up the Brian Robinson year, like that 2022 class is a big lesson learned for us because, you know, you talk about like the windows of these guys being shorter, but we had at the top of that class, a ton of Brees Hall enthusiasm, a lot of Ken Walker enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. James Cook was a guy that I liked a lot. And I'm sure if you go back and look at your, your, you know, your dynasty trades and fives episodes, then you guys had like arguments about him. Maybe there was one guy who liked them <laughs> oh, more than sure. others. For sure. So, no, we, we could call it out. Shane, Shane was the James Cook guy. He was hoarding. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And I'll shout out like Memphis young on dynasty Warzone was a huge, a huge uh, James Cook guy. I was a James Cook guy, sure. but I was on a podcast and I got laughed at for taking James Cook over, uh, over sky Moore. So it's like, okay, you know, like, you <laughs> know, know, come right. at me now. But we had like <laughs> nine running backs this year that gave us like top 25 value from that draft class in our final PPR scoring. Yeah. So it's like, I, I look, I think a lot of times when people beat up a class, it, it kind of like the, it's not hive mind because a lot of people are on it, but I think certain voices get amplified and people kind of team up on a position and that creates buying opportunities An opportunity. for us. Yep. Yeah. So, so Clay, before we get you out of here, Give us one or two players that you think are worth selling right now that I think could get you really big ROI. And I know you want to be player averse, but I think a lot of times these younger veterans uh, are guys that I'm willing to to get out there and kind of see what I can get. For me, this offseason, I'm not selling to sell, but Trey McBride is the one that I'm willing to see if I can get a massive sure. cash out for because I think the market's gone too overboard. Even if he returns you know, tight end five value next year. I think the market is treating him closer to tight end one overall than it is yeah. tight end like six or seven overall. Uh, what about you? Is there any guys that kind of jump out to you as potential pivots, cash out types? Yeah. Yeah. So Trey McBride's a good one. I mean, like him a lot, but it's also the kind of trade. Like, I don't know for me. Yeah. I'd love to get a wide receiver and a first, but if McBride can get me into the conversation where I'm getting, you know, Garrett Wilson as part of the package, or can he even get me into a, a trade conversation where CD Lamb's involved, that kind of thing? So again, I feel like tight end is uh, super league dependent, league market. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. I mean, basically everybody on my team is on the block at all times. And yeah. if I think one player has more steam in the market, then then sure. Like if I'm trying to sell, if I've got four good QBs and I, I feel like I'm holding too much value on my bench at QB, I will put all of them on the block, you know, because clearly you have an abundance. So don't be, you know, don't be stingy. If people want CJ Stroud, then then, yeah, he's he's on the block. Make make me an offer that you would accept is what I like to send, uh, tell people. I if love that. I respond in the DMs at all if there's any kind of a response. <laughs> I love that. And I think that a lot of the really most successful dynasty managers will share your opinion on that, where anyone on my roster is available for the right deal. And, you know, some people might have a, you know, even the best guy I'm willing to sell for three firsts. Whatever your like litmus test is to let go right. of a guy consider moving the top guys because i think a lot of times you build those monster dynasty uh, rosters where you have the draft pick capital to really go out and trade for guys towards the end and yeah. you don't necessarily get that sort of capital without being willing to move a, a top piece exactly and it goes back to the uh to just being a trader in your league, being known as, as someone who gets deals done. If you're trading away big boys or, or draft picks that are worth a lot, it's just showing like, Hey, I'm, I'm down for whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I see Brandon saying conversation with trade partners is key. Ask them what they need. Yeah, exactly. Ask them what they need, but don't ask them what they want for player X. Don't give them too it's much. like, I, I want an, I want an offer. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna educate you on what I think the value of the player is, but yeah, no, I get what he's saying here. 
No, 100%. And, and Clay, you were super generous with your time and your takes. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work and what you guys have coming out at Dynasty Trades in 5 the rest of the month? Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> it's heating up. And, and the other day I was like, or today, maybe last night, I was like, is this the start of like burnout for me, mini burnout? But I was like, no, it's the snow. It's the fact that I've been with my kids a lot. Uh, hashtag working from home. But no, uh, check us out, Dynasty Trades in 5 on YouTube. If you're around on, on Tuesday nights, you can pretty much Sharpie us in for 8.30 live stream. We do roster reviews. So roster review at dynastytradesin5.com. Send us an email. We got three options for you. And um, and yeah, I'm kind of messing around my, with my own little thing right now. Uh, Dynasty Creator. I just started a new channel kind of behind the scenes. I'm going to send out a tweet and, and just tell people that they can follow along in the process with me. I've got 18 subscribers right now. So in the trenches, you can see what I'm doing and grow along with me. And uh, and the guys that did it, that did it app, is the last thing I'll say. They, uh, they created a content creation tab. Uh, I asked them to do that. So you can hit me up on did it. You can find me on there if you have iOS and yeah, we can do a, uh, we can do a short channel review for you. Look at your YouTube channel, TikToks, all that stuff. So just awesome. try, trying to keep it interesting, man. No, keeping it Thanks fresh. For having and, me, uh, dude. Yeah, no, I'm, we got to chop it up again sometime soon. I highly recommend dynasty trades in five. It's a great show. You guys are putting out tremendous work Thank Stick you. with us here at dynasty life all off season long. If you like shows like this, I'm going to try to bring in sharp guests like Clay, dive into this rookie class, dive into trades you should make, and try to make you a better dynasty manager. Uh, for all your redraft needs tomorrow, uh, which is going to be Thursday, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and then podcast-wise, not sure when it's dropping, uh, John Daigle's joining Billy Muzio and I on First Class Fantasy. That should be a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, diving into some off-season topics, also taking a look at the games this weekend. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.